Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Thursday, December 28th. I'm Hannah Floor. With the holiday season well underway, Juneau health officials are encouraging Alaskans to incorporate some precautions for seasonal respiratory viruses. Partlet Regional Hospital spokesperson Aaron Harden says that by taking care of individual health needs, people can help take care of the community's health as well. It's a good reminder to just, you know, continue to take reasonable precautions, stay home when you're feeling sick, and keep up to date on your vaccines. And that really helps keep both the healthcare system and ourselves um, as healthy as possible. Contagious viruses like COVID-19, the flu, and RSV continue to hit households in Alaska this holiday season. According to data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, over 20 people were admitted to hospitals across the state with confirmed cases of COVID-19 this week. We had an early rise of respiratory illnesses, particularly flu, in the community of Juneau that really mirrored what we kind of saw happening at the statewide level. But fortunately, that didn't translate to higher admissions here at the hospital. People hoping to test for COVID-19 before gatherings may have to buy test kits, but there are still ways to get tests for free. It might just take a bit longer. This fall, the federal government revived its program to offer free tests throughout the, through the U.S. Postal Service. And public health in Petersburg still has some free tests as well. Dedicated birders count different species every holiday season around the world. You might see them walking along roads and standing in parks. It's part of the Audubon Society's annual Christmas bird count. In Wrangell, Colette Zarnicki tagged along on one outing to see what it's all about. Bonnie Demersion and Claire Froelich are ready to join the Christmas bird count in Wrangell on an early December morning. They're in Wrangell's city park. Moss blankets the ground and surrounds the tall evergreens next to the Zimovia Strait. So what we're going to do is mark down every bird we see. And so I can help you with that. I have an extra pair of binoculars. You have binoculars. Do you have binoculars? This is the 124th annual Audubon Christmas bird count in North America. People can count any time between December 14th and January 5th. It's considered citizen science or community science because anyone can participate. Bonnie's been counting for about 20 years, but it's Froelich's first ever bird count. She says she studied science, though, and knows all the birds in Arizona. Learning about the different birds and stuff as just someone who's... I don't know, loves nature and is out in the field a lot. It's really important. And her, I love when I can, like, see a bird or hear a bird and I can recognize it. They're walking away from Petroglyph Beach towards the main road. In a small forest patch with a few trees, tiny birds fly swiftly from tree to shrub. They're difficult to count because they move too fast. Birdies, where are you, birdies? We hear ravens and gulls and see harlequin ducks and sawn sparrows, and there's more they identify. Okay, glock, two glaucous wings, and then that one was a herring. So herring gulls have a little black on their wingtips. They write down all the birds they see on a piece of paper in the app eBird. Bonnie says there are also two boats of people counting birds on the water. The bird count happens every year to help keep track of bird species that are declining. The data from the count has been used in more than 300 peer-reviewed articles, and it's a good benchmark for understanding the health of bird populations. And Bonnie says that she has her own reason for helping to save birds. To me, a lot of having birds around is just 
part of the beauty of life. And when you have less beauty, you know, you you decline in your well-being. Uh, is, is also affected. Lauren Cusimano is the communications manager for Audubon, Alaska. She says that local Audubon chapters hold bird walks and community events, and Audubon, Alaska takes care of the policy and advocacy work. She says the bird count has a long history. Let me uh, fade into like a Dickensian scene where, you know, in the year 1900, there's an ornithologist, Frank Chapman, in New Jersey, and a lot of the um, gentlemen of the time would go out and do a bird hunt around Christmas. She says Chapman was an early conservationist and began the Christmas bird census. Before that, men would just shoot birds to count them. Now, decades later, tens of thousands of birders count every year. And Cusimano says studies based on the bird counts have addressed climate change and the importance of biodiversity. And this is what leads to really important, though very somber, um, studies like the one that came out in the journal Science in 2019 that detailed the steady loss of nearly 3 billion birds in North America that we've lost since 1970. Cusimano says that bird counts are a good measure of overall health on planet Earth. Bird declines foreshadow an unhealthy climate, and that affects other species, including humans. But the birders counting this year are doing their part to help humans reduce those declining populations. Last year, 79,000 people counted, and they tallied more than 40 million birds. In Wrangell, I'm Colette Zarnicki. Petersburg's Birdwashers also catalog scores of birds for the Audubon Society's annual Christmas bird count. As KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports, the island community counted the most birds in recent memory. Splinters of sunlight pierce the morning mist at Hungry Point, a recreation spot on Petersburg's northern coast. A flock of scoters bob in the surf. They're large, dark sea ducks with white markings around their faces. Brad Hunter has a spotting scope trained on them. What you're hearing right there is a black scoter. So there's three species of scoters, surf, white wing, and black. And the first two are the most predominant ones we have here. So you know they're out there because you hear them. Hunter doesn't need his sophisticated lens or even his eyes to know what types of birds are around him. He can identify many species in the region by sound alone. Actually being able to hear the birds, the sound identification, is a huge part of identifying what species is out there. Visually seeing them is a big part, of course, but when you hear their call, you hear their song, it's a very important identification. Even when that song gets interrupted by other wildlife... Hunter has compiled Mitkoff Island's Christmas bird count data for the Audubon Society since the mid-90s. He says the group of about a dozen Petersburg birders had a remarkable inventory this year. Hunter is still finalizing the numbers, but by his latest figure, the group tallied a little over 9,000 birds around the island, and that was all in one day. Um, I think it's interesting. It's notable. And it's not just the quantity that has Hunter so excited. The group also spotted an exceptional number of species at this year's count, 61 over their previous high of 57. 
Hunter says the air was thick with uncommon seabirds this year. And there's also some seabirds that are still here. We typically do not get Bonaparte gulls on the Christmas bird count, but this year we had quite a few of them. He doesn't know why there were so many birds out and about this winter, but his best guess is that recent warm weather might play a part. We suspect part of it is that it's been such a warm fall that some of the birds that would have headed on south if ice had formed and lakes and ponds were frozen over have stayed around longer than normal. The climate pattern known as El Nino is cycling warmer water through southeast Alaska. The resulting unseasonably calm weather is also making it easier for Petersburg's bird watchers to stay out longer. Hunter says his group has braved much worse conditions for the count in previous years. Uh, we've had so many terrible weather days for Christmas bird count. It's hard to pick one of them out as the worst, but we've had some pretty bad ones where it's blowing 30, 40 and snowing mixed in with maybe a little rain or the roads are all icy and deep snow. And it can be challenging some years. Fair weather or not, Hunter says the count is important to him, and that's because the data bird watchers collect will help scientists better understand how bird populations are changing and eventually how to better protect them. He says the process of learning about regional birds is also meaningful to him. And I just find it interesting for myself just to keep growing and challenging myself and learning more about them and especially learning about them around here. Some people travel all over the world to see how many species they can find. Um, My challenge for myself personally is to see how many I can find around home. And that's what keeps him coming back year after year. The Audubon Society will finalize its data from the 124th annual Christmas bird count on January 5th, 2024. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. The Alaska Housing Finance Corporation has offered Ketchikan $4.5 million to build affordable housing units. That's according to the Ketchikan Borough Mayor, Rodney Dial, who attended the Alaska Municipal League Conference in Anchorage earlier this month. At the conference, Dial and other community representatives from Ketchikan and nearby Saxman met with the Housing Corporation to discuss their current housing crisis. Dial says the corporation offered the $4.5 million to Ketchikan on the promise that the community build a total of eight affordable housing units by 2025. I just feel really proud of how we've all worked together to try to bring these funds into Ketchikan because they could have been sent anywhere. You know, there's housing needs all over the state. And so we're just going to do everything we can to make this a win for the community. Tile says the borough is going to facilitate distribution of the funds. It is not necessarily a borough project, though. He says this is a collaborative effort across the city, borough, and city of Saxman. You know, if we put housing anywhere, it's a benefit to the entire community. So what it looks like we're going to do at this point is the borough is going to identify where some land is that's suitable for this. Wherever that land is, it will be outside city limits. Dial says the city indicated that they do not currently have any lots suitable for construction of affordable housing units. It is still unclear if Saxman or the borough will lead the charge on this construction to meet the 2025 deadlines. Kajikan City Manager Delilah Walsh was not available for comment. The Alaska Housing Finance Corporation is a public corporation with the stated goal of providing Alaskans access to affordable housing. The Ketchikan funds would come from leftover federal pandemic relief money. See Alaska Heritage Institute released new language learning apps in Khadkil and Shumalgyak this month. Apps are the first of their kind. 
opening doors to learning the endangered indigenous languages. Van Kremry has more from Juno. Leah Urbanski with Sealaska Heritage Institute demonstrates a new games app. It lets you choose which language you want to practice. Klingit, Khatkil, or Smalyak. Urbanski picks Khatkil. Her phone screen fills with animated sea creatures. So it's all kind of live animals floating around the screen. And then whenever you click on it, this guy just pops up out of nowhere. A harbor seal pops up in the corner of the screen, looking at us. When Urbanski taps on it, the hot kill word pops up, hood. There's also a game with a forest full of birds native to Southeast Alaska, a quiz game, and a few more games on the Klingit side. This app and two others released this month are SHI's first to put Khadkil, the Haida language, or Smalyek, the Simsian language, in app form. The other two are learning apps for each language, much like the Klingit one SHI released several years ago. They have phrases like this in Smalyek. Where are the abalone shells? As well as vocabulary. Snowing. Yeah, madam. And a breakdown of the alphabet with recordings to help learners pronounce each sound right. Ah, ah. The Hudkill voice you're hearing is Skil Jade Linda Schrack, and the small yek is Shigop Alfie Price. Price and Schrack worked with a team of language experts to make the apps. The Hodkill and Smalyek apps are a bit thinner in content than the Klingit app right now, but Urbanski says that will change. For right now, this is what we have, but we're going to continuously keep adding to this as we go along, just gathering all the kinds of vocab that we need. Uh, let's see if this works. Ferret. Dayats. She says these apps are another way learners can engage with the endangered languages. I think getting language out there in, in as many ways as possible is important, especially with our ever-evolving world. I think technology is one of the things that a lot of people use. Apps are especially helpful for younger learners, she says, and they're all free to download from app stores on iPhones and Android devices. In Juno, I'm Yvonne Crumery. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.